All my life you've been faithful, Lord. Anyone can say that and mean it? Like for real, right? Like all of my life he's been faithful. All of my life. And there's been some crazy things happen in my life. I've been to crazy places. I've done stupid things. And he's been faithful. You know, like sometimes we think about that and we think about all my life, God's been faithful. And we think about, well, the economy tanked, and but I survived. Or, you know, something else happened in the world that wasn't my fault and I survived. And, uh, or I had this sickness and I survived and God was faithful. But do you know what I think about a lot too? I did this stupid thing and God was still faithful. I ran away and God brought me back because God is faithful. I went to the darkest places and God's promise was real that he never left me, never forsook me. And in the midst of my deepest, darkest, dumbest sin, God still called me his child and God still loved me and God's plan for my life didn't change. He had to come up with some other ways for me to get there, but his goals and his plans and the calling on my life never changed because all my life, God's been faithful. Anybody else? Can you give him some praise? Come on, can you give him some praise? He deserves it, church. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> I just love being in the house of God. Welcome to church. If you're new here, my name is Jesse. I'm the lead pastor here at Eternity Church. Uh, usually my wife is on the front row. She's not here tonight. We have a sick kid. If you could lift our family up in prayer, we do not want to go through the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, prayer, uh, sorry, sickness chain that sometimes happens when you have a big family. You know, who, who knows what I'm talking about, right? Like seven weeks later, you're like, I guess we're going to start at number one again, you know? Uh, we don't want that. So just lift our family up in prayer. Uh, just we, we still believe in a God that heals, amen? And so we don't believe that we have to go through the, through the sickness chain. So. Uh, but anyway, as I said, my name is Jesse. Um, uh, I'm the lead pastor here. I'm glad that you're here tonight. Uh, we are all glad that you're here tonight. And uh, we know that, we know that you, you've probably heard this before, but we want you to know that we do love you, um, uh, that we, we know that we know that we know that God loves you, that Jesus loves you, that he's got a great plan for your life. And I hope that somehow tonight he might use me and this moment that we have together and some of the people you'll meet here to help you better understand uh, how much he loves you and that he has good thoughts and plans for you. Um, also, after the service, please um, do two things. If you're new, please go out. Uh, I think it's, un wait, where is it? it? It's out by the stairs. Thing I knew things moved this week, all right? So out by the stairs, uh, we've got our, our connection lounge. That's where we've got a gift for you. So we just want to say thanks for coming to church today. Uh, also, for everybody after the service, please check out the booths out in the lobby there. Um, we've got some mission booths out there. Uh, we're just sort of celebrating uh, and, and helping educate all of you on what it is that we as a church have been doing when it comes to missions giving here at Eternity Church. Um, we're just showing you, uh, we're not actually asking you for any extra donations. We're not saying, can you give us some more money for that? Uh, can you give us some more money for Ruth Harbour? Can you give us some more money for this, that, or the other? We're just showing you what our church already does, what your tithes and offerings are already going toward. So everything out there, other than compassion, actually, we are going to ask 
uh, uh, we, we're asking for another 50 kids to get sponsored at Eternity Church this weekend. Um, and so that is one thing we're asking you to do. We believe that every person should sponsor a child, no matter how broke you are, that you should find $40 in your budget for families that are for sure more broke than you could ever be in the United States, all right? Just so you know, according to the rest of the world, the poorest person in this room is among the super wealthy in this world, okay? So we're asking you to maybe stretch yourself a bit and to sponsor a child if you don't already uh, do that. But as far as Ruth Harbour, uh, as far as Convoy of Hope, um, and, and, and what we're going to add to it soon, another thing called a, a Dream and Recovery Center uh, in Nevada, uh, Colorado City, sorry. Um, those things, that's what your tithing is already going towards. So what I want you to know when you walk out there, and the church sponsors kids too, actually. So everything out there, I want you to look at that and know that you are already a part of it. You are already supporting it. You're already uh, resourcing it. And so we just want to say thank you. Go check it out afterwards. In fact, we've got a, a quick video now uh, just to help maybe share with you what's going on and, and what happens at Ruth Harbour and at Compassion uh, and Convoy of Hope. So you can take your seats for a moment and then you can stand up again after the video for me to read the word today. So God bless you. Compassion International is releasing children, children from poverty in, in Jesus' name. Jesus name. In Jesus' name. Because of compassion. Because of compassion. You, you have, have the, the opportunity to change the, the life. life of a child. Prepare for mass evacuation. Devastated the region. Look at the world. Online, in the news, on your drive home from work, you see it. People are suffering. They're doing their best, but it doesn't seem to matter. They feel completely alone, asking, how am I ever going to make it? Is there anyone out there who cares about me? We say yes. At the heart of Convoy of Hope's work is our driving passion to use kindness as a force for change. We are the volunteer delivering relief after a disaster. So look at the world one more time. The problems are big, no doubt, but the solution, oh, it's beautifully simple. And you, you're a part of it. I had nowhere to go and Ruth Harbour gave me a place to go and figure out what I needed to do for my life. I'm no longer someone struggling. Yeah, I still go through it, but thanks to Ruth Harbour, I know what path I have to go to and where I need to go. Like everything that everyone does here is not a job. It's literally their life mission to make things better for us and that's what they do here. But thanks to them, I'm able to do all that. I got my GED, I got work two jobs, saved up all the money I needed to for my son and they'll help me decide, you know, that I can have my child and I can take care of him and I can raise him and look at me now. 21 years old, my son is two and a half years old and I'm doing great for someone my age. Seriously, you guys like, you guys make me want to do better for you. You guys make me want to like be a doctor one day and have my own career and really be on my feet just so I can be like, and be like, hey guys, look what I did. You guys really make me want to step up my game. You make me want to do more than what I want to do. You guys motivate me, and I love that.
Awesome. Awesome. So that's what you're already supporting. So <coughs> already at Eternity Church, you all are a part of that. And so we just want to say thank you. And uh, go out there and have a look at what you are doing, what you and your church are doing in Iowa, in the United States, and all across the globe. Amen? So it's good to be a cheerful giver, isn't it? So I uh, also want to let you know that next weekend, uh, well, firstly, who got an email this week? Give me a wave. You got your email about bold. Awesome. Look at that. That's a high percentage of people actually checking their emails. Mind-blowing. I cannot believe it. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I feel like that almost needs someone to grab your, grab your hand. Go like this, roll it behind you, and just pat yourself on the back for a bit because that was weird to see that high of an interaction on our emails. But, uh, but I want to remind you, um, if you're new or if you've never been given a bold booklet or a um, pledge form, after the service on your way out the door, just grab one of those as well um, and, uh, and come ready to pledge. Next weekend uh, is when we're going to take up the, that, that second round of pledges for our building campaign, our bold campaign, and also take up that second seed offering where we're asking people if they're able to give 20% of their pledge up front um, and then and help to kickstart what we're doing because we plan to start building next year in the summer or the fall of next year. And so, um, and so those, uh, those seed offerings really help make that happen. So, so please grab that on the way out the door if you haven't yet pledged or if you're like, you know what? I've come into a few billions since I pledged the first time. I'd like to update this a little bit. Feel free to grab that on the way out the door and update your pledge as well. Drop that in the bucket next week. If you did inherit a couple of billion in the meantime, I reckon you might want to just put the whole lot in the bucket next week. So, so God bless. The whole pledge, that is, not the whole billions, all right? We'd be better off without being given a billion dollars. I believe that. Anybody else? So, a billion dollars, great way to ruin a church. So anyway, go do that afterwards. So, um, but right now, if you wouldn't mind standing up, we're going to read the word today. Uh, the key uh, scripture for today, um, if you're new, that's just sort of our habit uh, here is to stand up for the main scripture of every sermon. So I'm reading from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 12 uh, through to 17. So it says there, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I can't just go home right now because y'all just learned something, didn't you, right? <laughs> all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, all right? See, we, I've said this before, all throughout Scripture, we are warned repeatedly. Hey, Jesus even says, they hated me. If you love me, they're going to hate you too, right? And then, and then what happens is the world doesn't love us, and we're like, what if only someone told us, right? Uh, Paul says as well later on that, that do not be surprised if the world hates you. And then those of us who love the Lord uh, discover the world hates us, and we're like, I'm so surprised, right? And then here again, Paul tells Timothy and, and all those <clears throat> around him that uh, if you desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. And we're all like, I can't believe I'm being persecuted for this. We've been warned repeatedly, right? Come on now. Hey, if you're not being persecuted, I might put it to you that you are not actually living the gospel. You are just living a version of it that has been watered down and sweetened up for the world. Mm. But if you're living it the way the Word says it, come on, it's going to hurt sometimes. 
But don't worry, all things work together for the benefit of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. Can I get an amen? A little bit of persecution in your life. Hey, it's only going to produce some diamonds and some gold in your life, so don't worry about it. In fact, just make peace with it and say, come at me, devil. I know my God is bigger than you are. Can I get an amen? And then it says, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, who feels like this is a word for 2022? Right, right now, right? Well, they'll go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived themselves. But as for you, come on, turn to your neighbor and say, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture, someone say all Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by God and all Scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. I've got a word for y'all today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. This is wonderful, life-giving, beautiful, living Word of God. God, we know that while it just sits here like this, it's ink on paper wrapped in leather, but as we read it, it comes alive and, and it edifies our very soul, Lord. And, and, and as we read it, the, the living Word, it comes alive from the pages, Lord, into the atmosphere, into our being, into our spirit, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you didn't forget about us, but you left us a wonderful instruction, uh, the living word of God. God, we thank you that from the start, it points from Genesis, it points to Jesus, that in the Gospels, it talks about Jesus, that after the Gospels, all the way to Revelation, it points back to Jesus, Lord. We thank you for that. God, I thank you that in it, we can discover truth, correction. We can discover help for our lives. And God, today, I ask you that as we contemplate it, as we meditate on it, as we talk about it tonight, that you would use this moment to strengthen our lives, to strengthen our faith, to heal us, to refresh us, to revive us, Lord God, and to help us to walk out of this place, applying it like a double-edged sword in our lives and in this world. And I pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Someone say, amen. And give the Lord a shout of praise if you want that to be true in your life. Amen. <clears throat> you may take your seats. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scare some of you today. I'm going to do something a little weird, though. Uh, we're talking about the... I'm talking about this, but <clears throat> I got something for you all today. I, I was recently in a bookshop. Anyone been in a bookshop recently? Or y'all Amazon Kindle people? Okay, hands up if you like read from like Amazon Kindle and things like that, right? I'm not into that. Uh, you know, like I get there and after a little while, I don't know if it's the blue light or something, but I just get tired and my eyes get, to, you know, get, get weak and I, I just need a Bible. But also, I just kind of, I just like to feel this thing. I, I, like, to, I like to highlight that and, and I like to be able to flip through it and be like, look at Look at these highlighted bits, you know what I mean? I, I, I love a real Bible. I love a real book. I'm a guy, I highlight books, I highlight bits in other books. I highlight bits in other people's books. 
that they lent to me and they get it back and, and you know, and then they, they discover what stood out to me. You know, I feel like I'm blessing them. The man of God told them, this is the line right here, you know. And I'm just kidding. I don't think I'm some high and mighty whatever else. But, um, but I like a real book and I do like to peruse at Barnes & Noble or, or Borders or whatever other bookshop. And recently I was at a used bookshop, antique kind of bookshop, and I stumbled upon a book that looked really quite interesting. It had some kind of, I don't know, like old worldy kind of spiritual uh, vibes, so to speak. I was drawn to it. I wanted to know what uh, was, was in it, so I picked it up. And to my surprise, the book was a satanic uh, book of curses and a, and a book of spells. And, um, and as I read it, I was shocked at what was in it. I don't know if you've ever had one of those encounters, if you've ever seen anything like that, but I was absolutely shocked, stunned, floored at what I was reading. And, and, and I know it's a little unorthodox, but what I want to do is take a couple of moments and read to you uh, a, a couple of pages from, from this book um, that, that I had, that, that I found in the book there, uh, just a couple of the curses and spells. And trust me, it's enlightening. It's a terrifying thing to read. But um, I'm just kidding with you. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I know some of y'all little, some of y'all were about to get up and walk out. You're like, I ain't reading no curse. Get those curses out of here. Come on, hands up if you're a little bit worried for a moment there, right? Come on, let's be honest up in here, you know. Don't be a liar in the house of God. Some of y'all were a little bit worried. You're like, you can't read that. We in church. You're like, you can't read that anyway. Some of you all be like that. You might as well just bring a Ouija board up on stage and start playing with dead spirits and stuff, right? Like some of you all were a little bit worried there. Don't worry, it's not even a thing. I just got uh, Jenna to get the creepiest looking book off Amazon that she could find, rub it in the snow and pour some coffee on it. And that's what I brought to church today. And um, just before service, she's, she's like blow drying it because the coffee hadn't dried yet, you know. Uh, that's all it was. I wasn't even in the bookshop. That was all made up. But here's the funny thing about it, though. This is what's crazy about it. I talked to some friends this week. I, pl I played a trick on a whole bunch of people. I said, hey, what do you think if I read this in church? They're all like, you better not. They're all like a little apprehensive. You I didn't tell them that I was only messing around. A whole bunch of people thought I was going to be reading some curses and some spells up in here today. But what's crazy is if you were one of the people that was concerned about that, I've got a question for you. Why when I'm about to read a, a, a curse or, or open a book of spells or something in church, does, you, does your heart get a little nervous for some, some evil power that might flow out of it? But when I read the word of God, you didn't care. How come, how come when I pull open the Word of God every week, your heart doesn't get ready for something powerful? Why don't you have the same reaction? You're like, man, he's about to open the most spiritual, life-changing, powerful book on the planet. He's about to open that up in the house of God. How come you care about, about some book of spells, but you're not so concerned or have zero expectation that something might happen in your life when the Word of God is opened up? If you were so worried about this, why don't you anticipate some incredible, supernatural, powerful outpouring every week when the Word of God is opened? Come on now. <clears throat> why did so many of you feel like there's power in this empty coffee-stained notepad but don't have the same reverence for the Word of God? Come on. This, e even if this book was dangerous... This one's more powerful. 
No, 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 no. Listen, even if this was dangerous, this one is more dangerous to the devil. The devil hates it. This one is more powerful, more life-changing than any book of spells or curses that you could ever find. I just put it on top, and the devil's scared. If you believed that a book could carry so much power, why is your Bible covered in dust? If, if it's possible that a book could carry that much power that you would get apprehensive even in the presence of God having that other book, then why is your Bible closed? Why is it only opened once or twice a month, if that? Why is it that less than 32% of Christians read their Bible every day? And yet almost everybody was almost offended that I would read a book of curses and spells. But only 32% of you, if we go by national statistics, even read your Bible every day. Come on. If a book can bring power to a worship service, why didn't you bring your Bible to church? Your Bible's more powerful than any book you can find on the shelves at Borders or Barnes & Noble. Dictators all over the world know and fear its power and ban it. You know that, right? No book has been banned more in the world. No, banned more than any other book in the world because even dictators know and fear its power. Your Bible is sharper than the cuts that any curse could possibly bring into your life. You need to read your Bible. You need to get the Word of God in your heart. Ephesians tells us, to put the whole armor of God on, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Take the helmet of salvation, that is the, sorry, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. How does it help us stand against the schemes of the devil? Well, Hebrews 4 tells us that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It keeps you standing against the devil's schemes. This, that's what this does. This keeps you standing against the devil's schemes. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It's alive. And as you read it, the Word of God the Logos becomes the rhema, and it's, and it's the Word of God going into your heart and into your soul. It strengthens your heart. It cleanses your soul. It can get down to the thoughts and desires of your heart, the areas of your life, the, the desires in your heart that you just wish were different. This can get down there and cut them out of your heart. The parts of you that you wish you could change, it can identify them and transform them. Have you read it? It tells the story of everything that exists, how it came to be. It tells the story of how God created you. It tells the story about the first people that ever existed. It talks about how God created them and how God loved them and how much God loves you. Have you read it? Have you read it all? Some of you have been Christians for 20 years and you're like, I've read it here and there, but have you read it all? It tells us how people with free will rejected God and chose to pursue passions of the flesh instead of God, just like so many of us do. In the Word of God, we read about how that no matter what we do or how far we go, God has a plan for our lives that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. It's in this book. 
And so many of you feel like God left you, but if you read your Bible, you'd know he didn't. Come on now. So many of you, the devil comes up to you and lies to you, but if you read your Bible, you'd know he's lying. What do we, we've talked about it a lot of times here at Eternity Church. The devil came up to Eve and he's like, hey, did God really say? And the problem is he, 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 actually, he actually tricked Eve and, then, and, and, and Eve actually quoted back something God didn't say because her husband didn't even share the word or the advice that God gave him with her. So then she didn't have God's instructions in her life at all. And so then when the devil came, he played tricks on her. She believed something that wasn't true. And because of that, sin entered the world because she didn't get in the word. See, if you're in the word and the devil comes up and says, did God really say? You'll say, yeah, he did. Back off, devil, get away. I know what God said. God didn't say that. God said this. God, yeah, God said that, but not like that. Come on now, right? There's a story of Abraham. Sorry, a story of Adam and his, and his wife Eve we just talked about, right? They, they made a choice that brought about the fall of man, the original sin. And if you read your Bible, you'd know that the moment that they sinned, the first thing God did was cover their shame. <clears throat> well, the first thing he did was look for them because he never leaves us nor forsakes us. The second thing he did was cover their shame. The first time that sin entered the world, God makes a sacrifice and kills one of his beasts and covers the shame of those who were ashamed. It's absolutely fascinating, isn't it? God responds, finding them, covering their shame, sacrificing beasts, made their clothing. It's all right there in the first few pages of this powerful book. Right there, we see God's heart and desire for relationship is so strong that when we rebelled against him, his first inclination is to do something so we would feel comfortable in his presence again. There's another story in there about a man named Abraham. I don't know if you've read that. Have you read your Bible? Or do you know about Abraham just because someone at church told you about Abraham? We ain't Catholics. Read your Bible. Your only source of truth should not be the pulpit on Sunday. Read your Bible. Can I get an amen? Abraham was a man just going about his life. And the first time we see God speak to him, God says, Abraham, get up and go. And Abraham's like, all right, giddy up. He gets up and goes. I'm like, what? I want faith like that. Man, God spoke. Abraham's like, yep, where do you want me to go? You'll figure it out. Just go. (laughs) Who doesn't want faith like Abraham, right? God makes him a promise to bless him and to bless everyone else who blesses him and to curse everyone who curses him. He says that, you know what? You are through you, through you and your DNA is going to come a great nation, an incredible nation that the whole world will be blessed because of those who come through you. Abraham has no kids and he's like, okay. Then he makes a few mistakes along the way. Have you read the story? At one point, he's got no kids yet. And his wife uh, says, hey, dude, we don't have any kids yet. Perhaps God will fulfill his promise by you cheating on me with this other woman over here. Don't do it. Don't, Don't do it, right? Hey, man, sometimes your wife isn't that smart. Ladies, sometimes your husband's not that smart. Let's even that out, all right? But come on now, your wife's never going to get a word from God that goes against the word of God. And ladies, your husband's never going to get a word from God that goes against the word of God. Can I get an amen, right? Abraham didn't test it, didn't try it. He's just like, giddy up, let's go. Well, guess what? She got mad at him. Kicked that woman out and her son. All sorts of crazy things happened. To this day, we're still having issues and warfare all around the world because of that moment, right? But what I love is that God still keeps his promise, 
two great nations came out of him instead. And they've been warring with each other ever since. God keeps his promise. Then one day he says, hey, Abraham, um, see this son, your only son, the son whom you love, that'd be Isaac, take him up the hill and sacrifice him up there. And Abraham's like, all right, let's go. Now, if you don't know your Bible, you're like, oh, God's into child sacrifice. But if you've been reading your Bible, you would know that all the religions around Abraham at that time were into child sacrifice. And what they would try to do to atone for their own sins would, just, would be to sacrifice one of their children. God uses that as an illustration and says, hey, you've done this, you've messed up, yada, yada, yada. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go this way, and I'll show you where to go and sacrifice your son. Abraham, who knows who God is, says God will provide the answer. He says that on the way. Then he takes his son up there. He lifts up the knife. He goes to Zabin. God provides a ram in the thicket. Why did God do that? See, if you don't read your Bible, you, you believe lies when people say God's in to child sacrifice. If you do read your Bibles, you realize God never wanted him to kill his son at all. That God will always provide a ram in the thicket. God will always provide a way out. God will make everything that you do turn around to bless you if you keep loving and trusting in Him. Amen. And so God provides a ram in the thicket and He kills the ram instead and He and His Son go on to, to fulfill the very call of God on their lives and a great nation did come through that man. Y'all know what I'm saying. So what did He show Abraham that day? The world thinks you answer it like this, but I'm telling you, I will pay the price for your sins. The ram in the thicket was what we call a type of Christ, a, a, an Old Testament picture of what Jesus Christ would be for us, that when we mess up our lives, God will provide a ram in the thicket. His name is Jesus. He will die on a cross, pay the price for your sins. God doesn't want us to pay the penalty and sacrifice our children in the name of our own redemption. God will redeem us. Can I get an amen? amen. Have you read your Bibles? Because you know that stuff if you read your Bibles. Not just once. I read it when I was 24. About Jew then. About Jew to read it again. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> right? There's a story of a man named Moses. Have you read about Moses? Right? Moses, crazy story. Um, Pharaoh wants to kill all the, all the young men and, and so that Israel can't, you know, the Israelites can't continue to, to grow. And he's like, you know, whenever there's a young male baby, just go and like, <clears throat> get rid of him. And, <clears throat> and then anyway, so, but Moses' mom's like, well, we ain't going to do that. So she takes him and she puts him in, in a boat in, in, a, in a river. And like, you know, you're just sitting there and, you know, you're like, how is putting your kid in a crocodile infested uh, river in a boat made of reeds so um, loving? Anyway, apparently it was. And so she, she she floats the little kid down there and hopes and believes, all right, God will take care of him. Uh, uh, the Pharaoh's daughter finds um, Moses in, in, in the river there. And, and then Moses, an, 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 an Israeli kid, ends up growing up in, in, in the king's house. And, 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 and what's interesting is uh, that God uses a, 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 a quote-unquote adopted son of the king's house to bring the king down. I do love that, right? But anyway, Moses is, is the man that God used to, to set God's people free, even though he may or may not have, as they say, like, like killed someone in rage. Some say he, he did that because um, it was right to. Some say it wasn't. But he did kill a man, and then God still uses that man to set his people free, right? <laughs> have you read the story of Moses? There's some crazy stuff in there. Go read it. There's a story of a man named David. Uh, he was the son of Jesse. Um, and uh, David was a shepherd boy. Um, and God saw something in him that no one else saw. Uh, Jesse, becomes, uh, Jesse becomes the king one day. Uh, one day when he's the king, he's on a rooftop looking over. He sees a chick named Bathsheba. Uh, Bathsheba, sorry. Bathsheba's a place. Bathsheba's the woman. Um, he saw a, a woman named Bathsheba. Um, and she was... Uh, 
uh, uh, uh, bathing on the rooftop. Um, evidently, she was acting quite provocatively, and he was being quite a pervert. And, um, and these two ungodly moments uh, intersect, and then they, they find each other. Dave is like, hey, go get me that woman. Someone's like, actually, she's married, and her husband's on the front line fighting a battle for for you, my king. He says, whatever, get me the woman. So he goes and gets her. They sleep together. They produce a child, yada, 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 completely messes up. God sends the, the prophet to come in and be like, hey, yada, yada, what would you do if this, ha-? you know, basically paints an analogy of the story. Uh, David's like, if anyone ever did that, they should be killed or, you know, whatever else. And the, the prophet says, uh, David, that was you. Um, God's going to judge you. And But here's the crazy thing. The guy that did all that, oh, it gets worse, by the way. Um, um, that when the chick gets pregnant, David's like, well, I can fix this. I'm just going to have her husband come home and sleep with her. And then, you know, they'll think it's his kid. That'll solve all the problems. Cover-ups don't usually work out, FYI. Um, and then, unless God's doing it. If God's going to cover it up, that's awesome, right? God covers up your shame. But when you try and cover up your shame, it doesn't work out. Amen? <laughs> Let God cover up your shame. Amen? <clears throat> Um, so anyway, he brings him back, but that, that guy, he had more honor than the king did, and he's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to be in here sleeping with my wife while all my mates are out there fighting for the king, so he abstained from that, and David was annoyed that he was so uh, honorable and righteous, uh, and then gets him put on the front line to make sure that he will die in the battle, right? That doesn't sound like a good dude, does it? And then God says that he's a man after my own heart. Isn't that crazy? He's a man after my own heart. God still loved him, still had a plan for his life, worked hard to get there with him, even after he messed up. Because God saw in him that even though so many of his actions were evil, that the desires of his heart were after the Lord. And in his heart, he wanted to honor God. Have you read this crazy stuff? Some of you all won't let your kids watch certain things on TV. That's a Good deal, by the way. My kids barely watch it. We're watching The Nanny right now. It's the cleanest show we can find on TV, right? And because um, we, you know, I feel like there's nothing created after 2010 that won't just destroy your children's minds, right? And so, um, so we're watching that. But, but I tell you what, the the Word of God is full of some crazy stuff. What do you do when your kid comes and asks you a question about that, Dad? So David and Bathsheba, you know, like yeah, and your kid starts coming in quoting Song of Solomon's. What do you do then, you know? There's some crazy stuff in the Word of God. Have you read it? Right? Some of y'all are like, the walking dead's evil. But man, I think the walking dead was inspired by the Valley of Dry Bones right there in the Word of God, you know, just coming alive and starting attacking people, you know what I'm saying? Like, like there's some crazy stuff in there. From the beginning to the end, it speaks of God's love for you. From the start, it points to a Savior. All the way to the end, it points back at the Savior. All the way through it, you see his good plans for your life. It talks about how to find freedom from your shame, how to overcome in hardship, how to be released from the chains in your life, addictions and sin, how to break family curses. It shows us how to manage our money. Come on now. It shows us how we can actually please God. If you're like, I want to please God, but you're not reading your Bible, I don't believe you. Because you'll learn how to please God in your Bible. Come on now. Reading the Bible pleases God, and in it you'll find out what pleases God. So if you want to please God, you'll read your Bible. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> in it, there is peace. In it, there is hope. In it, there is joy. In it, there is power. In it, there is freedom. Come on now. In it, there is clarity. In a world full of confusion, who wouldn't want some clarity in their lives? Amen? 
In a world that doesn't know a man from a woman, life from a tumor, right from wrong, up from down, why wouldn't you want some wisdom in your life? You can find that in the Word of God. Come on now. In a world that's lost its mind and lost its way, doesn't know which way to go. In a world that has more stuff than they've ever had before, but more anxiety and suicide than they've ever had before. Who wouldn't want to find another way? Come on now. The unchanging, all-powerful, life-transforming Word of God. It's right there. And all of you either have one, can afford one, or can ask me for one. Every one of you. In a world full of anxiety, who wouldn't want peace? In a world full of hate, who wouldn't want to learn how to love properly? Come on now, who wouldn't want that? In a world full of bitterness, this is where you find the great joy. In a hopeless world, this book is full of hope. In a world full of lies, this is, a book of, this is the book of truth. Amen? How could you possibly leave it sitting on your shelf? How could you leave it covered in dust but living every day riddled with anxiety or depression, riddled, lacking peace everywhere you go, scared about your kid's future, worried when you drop them off at school, scared what they're going to learn, but the truth is right here, hope is right here, peace is right here, joy is right here. It's on your shelf. It's on your shelf. Second Timothy, what did it say? All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. <clears throat> right now, at 710, I've got about eight points for you from the Word of God. Are you all ready? Who thinks I can do this? Who thinks I can't? Lift it up. To be clear, they're not saying I can't preach. They're saying I can't land the plane in the next 20 minutes. All right? That's, I, I assume that's what they're saying. Hands up if you meant he don't know how to preach. Okay, good. Wait, someone's hand went up. I'm going to beat them. All right? There we go. I want to show you just, uh, what is it? One, two. I didn't count. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, it's like nine points then. Uh-oh. All right, we better get to it. Second Timothy, right? It is all profitable for teaching and for reproof. The Word of God is good for reproof. What does that mean? It means testing. The Word of God will help you be able to test what's right and what's wrong. You, you'll be able to weigh what's happening in the world against the Word of God. When someone says God spoke, you can say, that doesn't line up with the Bible. When someone says, God God told me, sweetheart, you should go sleep with them instead. You can be like, ah, ding, 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 ding. That, that doesn't line up with the Word of God. You're not supposed to do that. When someone says, well, well, she didn't love me the way I want to be loved, you can be like, ding, 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 ding. You're supposed to love her anyway, no matter what, right? The Word of God, it, it helps you test what's right, test what's wrong, test what is and is not a word from God. I'm not saying that, that God will only say things in here. I'm saying God will never say something that goes against what's in here. Amen? Come on now, Amen? It helps you test. And if you know the word, you'll know the truth. Amen. The word is for correction. The Greek word, that correction word, we look at it like this, correction like bam, like discipline. I've heard people say, what that Greek word there actually means is to restore, to improve upon. 
It's good for correction, as in it's good to correct something that's wrong, something that's broken, and make it right, make it correct. If something's broken in your life, the Word of God will help restore it and improve upon what it was. The Word of God is good for correction and for restoration. The more you read the Word of God, the more it will improve your life, the more it will improve your heart the more it will improve your desires, the more it will improve your relationships in every area of your life that you submit to the Word of God will get better. Guaranteed. There is not one area of your life that you will submit to the Word of God and discover your life got worse in that area. It will improve. Can I get an amen? The Word of God will guide you to righteousness. It said training for righteousness. The word training means it's like guardrails and guides. So it's like a bumper car. If you're reading the Word of God, it's like, it's like on your bowling alley putting the bumpers up to make sure that you're just going to hit the edges, but you're going to get down to the end, all right? If you read the Word of God, it's going to put guide rails, bumper rails up in your life to make sure that your life is trending toward righteousness, we use it to train our heart's desires. The more you're in it, the more it gets in you. The more you read it, the more you see what pleases God. The more you see what pleases God, the more you want to please God, and you'll do the things that do. Can I get an amen? The Word guides you to righteousness. The Word helps you become complete, as the Scripture said. Now, this, 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 this idea of completeness, it's not like... Um, you know, now mind you, I guess in some ways that's true, but when this particular passage says complete, it doesn't mean like, well, you're missing a limb, now you have another limb. It would be more like a cake that it's complete, about a loaf of bread or a cake. That, that is that, 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 that you, you won't have any substance in your life or any nourishment coming from your life if you don't have the Word of God in your life that it's an ingredient that you need in your life to be complete. And if it's dusty and on a shelf, that ingredient is missing from your life and there's no nourishment coming in for your soul. It's like, a, it's like bread with, 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 with half the ingredients missing. It's incomplete, right? You're like a cake with no flavor, a meal with no vitamins, a steak with no protein. You just open your mouth, but there's nothing nourishing coming out. There's nothing nourishing going in, therefore nothing good can come out, but the Word of God is the ingredient that makes you complete so your cake can cook, so your bread can rise. Come on now. It's the Word of God. You do not have all the ingredients in your life to be the you that God designed you to be if the Word of God is not in your life. That's it. And, and listen, it, it's the Word of God is because it's living, be, be, because it's alive, it's not a one and done, read it, done it. Even if you memorized it, you need to start speaking it and meditating on it again for it to be alive in you now. You need the Word of God. It ain't a one and done. It's a constantly. It, what does Psalm 1 say? Um, uh, what, what does it say? Um, Psalm 1, first word and it'll trigger. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the council, we're going to stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and, and on his law he meditates day and night. It's not a one and done, it's a day and night. It's an all day, it's an everyday thing, and without that every day, you're incomplete the day you didn't. Living on yesterday's manner, rotten. 
But if you do, you're a delightful cake, a nourishing meal, and helpful to be around. Is this good so far? All right. Man, that's like four points in six minutes. I got this. All right, I can slow down. Just kidding, I won't. (laughs) Everyone got really worried. The Word equips you for your highest calling. Equips you for your highest calling. Here's the thing, right? When we read this, it says, maybe complete, right? Um, And then, comma, equipped for every good work. Equipped for every good work work. Now what's cool is, I do love that it says every there, that there is no high calling that you can't do when you got the word in you. See this good work, it's talking about activities and callings, right? But the word good, we call it good, right? But it's lost a little bit over the years, you know? Things were good and, you know, it's kind of like how we say love, you know? Like, man, I I love fried chicken and I love my wife. It's kind of lost a little bit of meaning there, you know what I mean? We never used to talk about how much we love fried chicken. You know, it'd be like, I like fried chicken, I love my wife, you know. Now they're the same, you know. I don't know whether we lowered the wife or we lifted the chicken, but something happened in, in, in the world, right? And uh, this word good has been the same, right? And, uh, you know, it, it's good. But, but, but this is it, it, it's saying of the most excellent work is what it means. That I'm equipped for the most excellent, for the highest calling. It equips you to do the work that is considered the highest standard. It literally means that those who get in the Bible are equipped and ready to do any and everything that God calls them to do. That any high moment that comes upon their life, he has at any moment, no matter where you are, in season and out of season, you are ready. You may not be, you may not be called to be the pastor, but because you're in the Word of God, if the pastor had a heart attack, you could be equipped to do that. It's a high calling. It's a high calling to bring the Word, but because you're equipped, you may not have to do it every week, but you could do it this week because you're equipped, because you're in the Word of God, because you could get up in season and out of season. You could at least say something that would bless somebody because, A, you're also complete and you can nourish, but also you are equipped for the moment, for any high calling. Can I get an amen? Now, we're going to dissect this a little bit more in January, right, to really help you, uh, to help equip you uh, on being anchored, uh, being an anchored believer. We're going to really dig into how to read the Word, how to study the Word, what's moral law, what's ceremonial law, what's civic law, what's the difference, how do I know what still and doesn't apply in my life? We're going to go through all that in January. As I was preparing this message, I'm like, ah, man, we need to spend more time. I want to equip the saints to understand and to be able to discern from the front to the back, all the way from the beginning to the end, from the top of the page to the bottom of the page, what is it? And what does it mean? Where's the truth? What, what, what's the context? Does context help us discover what is and is not applicable now? Or does context help us remember the full truth of the moment that God shared it? See, a lot of people use context to be like, not relevant now. Context isn't for that. Context is to get all the truth out of what was shared in that moment. Can I get an Amen. Right, and we want to be able to help you with that. So in January, we're going to do that. Uh, just going to really help you that. So we're going to keep rolling through in and out of Genesis as well. But in January, we're going to take three weeks at least to talk to you about how to study the Word of God uh, and, and the authority of Scripture in your life. But right now, I wanted to sort of whet your appetite a little bit. Say, you, I want the Word of God in my life. <clears throat> I want to read my Bible. I want to dust it off. I was worried about a curse. I was worried about that book. Well, I better start uh, appreciating the power that's in this book. Can I get an Amen. 
So let's start reading it. Let's start meditating on it. And as you do, you may have questions that you're unable to answer. And honestly, when we get to January at the end of that, it's not like you've gone to Bible college. You still need leaders, teachers, pastors in your life because you haven't spent four years just studying Greek and Hebrew. And that's okay. Not everybody's supposed to. Not everybody's called to. But that is why God called pastors and leaders and put them in your life to help you discern that. And that's also why we've got such a problem with all these woke leaders and woke pastors out there that have abdicated their responsibilities and they've chosen to be popular instead of being true to the word of God. They've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worship the created and their opinions instead of God and his word. Can I get an amen? Right? And so that's why there's such importance on rebuking and bringing them back to the true and proper faith, as scripture says. Um, But even in the meantime, what you can do, there are people in this church that you can call upon and say, help me understand this. There are elders, there are pastors, there are board members, there are faithful attenders, there are faithful believers, people like the Kirkmans, people like the Spoonamores, people like Doug and Tammy DeArmond, Paul and Angie DeArmond, Mick and Ginger Cox, Mike and Karen Phillips, the Davidsons, the other Phillips, the mayor of Norwalk, all of them. There's a lot of mature, hundreds of other mature believers in this church, leaders, teachers, um, people who teach classes, uh, lots of people that can help you. Don't sit there and ask some random Joe Blow off the street or the internet when God has put leaders and teachers and preachers in your life that can help you understand the Word of God. Can I get an amen? Because you need the Word of God. You need to get in the Word of God. Does someone believe that in here? You need to get in the Word. Is someone feeling like, man, I need to read the Word of God? Anybody else? I love this. I've never loved this more. You know what made me love it the most is when I found freedom from people's opinions. I used to read it and be like, oh, they ain't going to like that. Now I'm like, ooh, they need to hear that. Isn't that a difference? Like imagine reading God's opinions and being like, oh, the people aren't going to like that. The, the reaction should be, ooh, that's going to be good for them. Oh, they need to hear that. Amen. I love the word of God. But I want to show you some fruit that you'll see in your life. And this is the last few points. All right. <clears throat> just got four more real quick. I'm going to rapid fire them to you because I don't just want to say, hey, it's going to do this and chisel this and change that. But also it's going to produce some real good fruit in your life. Some things that you'll see change in your life. Psalm 1, I alluded to it earlier. Um, and, and I want to read the whole thing to you. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. That's like just Googling something, being like, is gay marriage Okay. Well, Google's going to say yes. Come on. You hear what I'm saying now? Nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit in season. His leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Those who read the word of God are planted. They're anchored. See, when I think about a tree that's anchored, and not just anchored anywhere, right? Not anchored in a desert. It's anchored by a stream of water. 
that's nourishing it. Those trees, they're not blown around by popular opinion. People who are anchored in the Word of God, it doesn't matter what the world says to them. Worldliness, the economy, come on, none of that matters. Pandemics, no, 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 no. Our faith doesn't wither when a pandemic comes along. It grows because we're rooted, because we're anchored, because we're established in the Word of God. And when that happens, you, you, you sort of bend and twist a little bit, but what that does is it, it creates stress wood in your life, which actually makes you stronger. Study trees in storms and what happens, right? Like it creates stress wood. It makes you stronger because you're anchored. But if you're not anchored, you just fall over. You just believe whatever you're told. But those who read the word of God are planted and they're anchored and they're not blown around by the world's opinions and desires. They're not blown around by what sparkles and what's pretty. They are anchored. And because of that, those who are in the Word of God, planted and anchored in the Word of God, are like a, a tree by a stream of water that is being fed with a living water. Come on, what is it? They're being fed with a living water. Let the water of the Word wash, wash over her, cleansing her, cleansing him, Scripture says, right? Like they are anchored by a stream that is watering their holes. And because of their, their, their holes, are watering, watering their hearts and... <laughs> And, and I shouldn't have even went back to it. I hate it when, anyway. And because of that, they're fruitful in their lives. They're bearing fruit in their lives. Orchards. I grew up near orchards, right? And the thing is, there would be drought and there would be pestilence. And when the drought came or the pest came, it would affect the fruit whether or not they would. In fact, where I grew up, they were so afraid of pestilence that any time you crossed a border, not just between states, but between areas, between almost counties in some places in Victoria, you had to stop on the side of the road and throw all your fruit and veggies in the trash and weren't allowed to take them from one county or one area to another area because they were afraid of the fruit fly. And there were random fruit fly... Um, fruit and veggie patrols, this does sound like a communist country, it's Australia, no surprise, but they could drive around and randomly pull you over to check if you've got an apple in your car, and if you did, you could be fine, because they're afraid of pestilence, and they're afraid of drought, but according to the word of God, those who are in the word will bear fruit in every fruit-bearing season, no matter what. Come on, you will bear fruit in every fruit-bearing season, no, whether it's a drought, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's an economic downturn, whether there's pestilence, whether there's war, you will bear fruit because you're anchored by a stream. Amen. Those who are in the Word of God will prosper. Now, some people hear that word, and number one, they're like, oh, health and wealth church. Well, I like to be healthy, and I don't mind having some wealth in my life. And anyone who hates having any money. <laughs> Scripture doesn't say that money is the root of all evil, all right? It says that the love of money is. How do you know if you love money? Well, you love it and you want it more than you love and want people, all right? You got to love of money, all right? Uh, or you, you love it and you want it more than God, all right? And, uh, but, but I'm not saying you'll be rich, though there's nothing wrong with it. Scripture even says that it's a good thing to have wealth and the good health to enjoy it. It says from the Lord, right? Th th that's fine. But I'm not saying that you're going to be rich, okay? That's not what I'm saying. In fact, well, kind of I am because according to the world standards, you already are rich, right? Every one of you, the brokest one of you, the, you know, the, 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 the lower class in America is wealthier than the middle class in France and, and the rest of Europe, right? And everybody's like, I'm going over there. Well, good luck. 
you'll be better off staying here. I'm just going to point that out to you. Love it when people have never been anywhere else talk about how good it is everywhere else, right? Mm-hmm. But according to what I am saying, though, is that those who are anchored in the Word of God, living a life of faith, will prosper no matter what. That all things work together for those who love the Lord. If you're anchored in the Word of God, and by the way, if you love Him, you'll obey His commands and you'll read His Scriptures and you'll be studying and you'll be searching the Word for the truths and the mysteries of God, right? <clears throat> and those who love the Lord, all things work together for the benefit of those who love the Lord. That's what Scripture says, right? But this one also tells us that those of us who are anchored in the Word of God, come on, that we will prosper in season and out of season. You need to get in the Word of God. Could I have the band come back up? You know why they're not out yet? They didn't think I could do it. <laughs> well, I could. Hey, band, come on out. Thanks, guys. There we go. You need to get in the Word of God, all right? I really do believe that as a church, firmly planted, anchored in the Word of God, we will prosper. That our church will grow spiritually. That our church will grow numerically. That our church will continue to see people saved, lives transformed. We will continue to grow. We will continue to prosper financially. That the people in our church will give. That our church will be able to build. That we'll be able to hire. That we'll be able to disciple. That we'll be able to continue to support missions. All these other things as we build a church and continue to build upon a church that is rooted and anchored and established in the Word of God. You need to get in the Word of God. Can I get an amen? Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.